0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this
1: shit.
0: What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, it feels like I haven't been here since Wednesday.
1: You haven't been here since Wednesday, you old prick. Left me all by myself on Friday. We had technical difficulties on (laughs) Thursday last week, which is weird. It, like, disappeared off into the cloud. They talk about the cloud and how everything's digital and just magically goes somewhere. Well, Cassandra's poor audio was lost to the cloud and uh, still don't have it. So still no tear maker for Super Bowls.
0: You know, it's, I don't know that if you never have recorded a podcast, there is no worse feeling than recording a podcast, thinking you're done, and then the audio doesn't save.
1: So you have nothing. You've done nothing. You've You've, done, have, you've, you've wasted your time. 15 minutes in pre-show and then 30 to, in our case, sometimes 45 minutes of actual recording. And you hit stop recording and it's just not there. That's why we didn't redo it, right? It's not yeah. as simple as, oh, we'll just no. we'll just talk about the same thing over again.
0: We, the first podcast we ever did, we had to do it twice. Remember that?
1: True. It's yeah. very true.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: It was no good.
0: Cal, before we talk about the 2014 NFL draft, I have a question for you.
1: Okay. I'll probably have an answer for you.
0: How does it feel to be an Ed Sheeran fan?
1: I'm not an Ed Sheeran fan. Here's the <laughs> interesting one. <Here's the laughs> yes, interesting. you are. No, I'm not. Because all the good stuff that Ed Sheeran put out on this collaboration mix was things he did with artists that I like. And it's funny. I like like – people think this is weird, but I enjoy a lot of Justin Bieber songs, right? The uh-huh. Justin Bieber song that he did – Uh, is the worst song on the entire album the
0: acoustic version the acoustic version where it's just him and no bieber it's better
1: no i haven't heard that because i don't like ed sheeran
0: no ed sheeran's great
1: i mean i I did not think the the travis scott song is hot
0: Antisocial. yeah it's really good yes um i understand people not liking my music takes because i'm like a big 90s traditional country fan but not liking Ed Sheeran is just something I can't get. I can't. I just can't.
1: He's too good. No, because he's got like a unique voice, and I appreciate the fact that he can sing, but like it's so poppy. And it's just like it's just, it feels like it's different iterations of the same like three songs over and over. Oh,
0: sounds so like getting,
1: you need So getting oh. different artists was very oh. really helpful. But the only good ones were the ones where, like, I don't, I like Eminem, too. And, and the one that he did with Eminem and 50 Cent, I didn't like that one that much either.
0: Your worst takes. Your worst takes.
1: Well, let's get into some of my other worst takes. Yeah. There's quite a few in this 2014 NFL draft. Uh, this was, I told you in the pre-show, uh, my first career draft in the industry. Uh, my first time writing scouting reports. You know, I followed the draft. I'd consumed the draft. i done some work on my own, but actually being involved in the industry and, and, and in the social space, 2014 was the first year for me and some good learning examples from this this draft class, Joe. But I guess let's just kind of start with the elephant in the room, and that's Aaron Donald. Um, Aaron Donald somehow falling to 13, I believe it was.
0: Yep, 13.
1: Which is uh, blasphemy in hindsight. But when Aaron Donald was coming out, did you foresee all pro potential like perennial all pro, maybe one of the best players we've seen this millennium type potential out of Aaron Donald?
0: I think I wanted to. Um, I very much remember watching his game film and saying, this is one of the best football players I've ever seen. I remember, you know, he was highly decorated, won every award you possibly can, but then the constant reminder that he's six one two eighty five with sub 33-inch arms and just being under the belief that that's, that doesn't work in the NFL, right, or he's going to be a gap shooter, he, you know, that type of thing. He's not going to be an every-down uh, presence. You know, I, I, feel, I feel like just, just not being willing to accept breaking the mold was something that I think limited my – appetite for really wanting to pound the table for Aaron Donald because his game tape, which is the most important thing, was exceptional. He was the same player at Pitt as he is right now in the NFL.
1: But yet managed to slide to 13 because he's against the green. 6'1", 285, right? It's, <laughs> a, it's a difficult line to walk, you know, because it's like if you start drafting and expecting the exception, you're going to get burned more times than you hit. But then you'll get a guy like Aaron Donald and it's like, well, holy shit. Like, how didn't everybody see this coming with how good he is?
0: One thing, uh, my brother, Frank, you know, Frank, uh, Frank is him and I have been talking NFL draft for 20 years now. And I remember talking about Aaron Donald with him and, and he, he makes a good point. And this is something that I really subscribe to, but I wish I didn't. He always said, give me the list of really good NFL defensive tackles that are 6'1", 285. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I don't have anything for you. I don't I don't have anybody on the list, right? The list is zero. And so for that, it was like, and that's. I guess that kind of goes back to my, you know, every every Twitter Tuesday when I get a chance to take the field, I always take the field because I'm like, you know, why wouldn't I, right? And, and I, I feel like I bought into that way too much. With him and, I, and I've learned, right? I mean, like Ed Oliver was my number three prospect in this year's class. So, right. so Aaron Donald did a, a lot for undersized defensive tackles that follow after him. But at the time, it was hard to. It was you know there's sound reason to believe that he wasn't going to be great.
1: Now, what do we do if Ed Oliver ends up being what people had the apprehension with with Aaron Donald? I don't think it happens. Right. What if? You know what I mean? Because then, then you, you've chased your It's tail the human element, right? Smart. It's the
0: human element. You yes. just don't – I mean, it's like uh, Jamarcus Russell has every bit of physical ability to play quarterback in the NFL. You know, so it, you're not going to discriminate against great – you know, it's just it, – it's an impossible conversation. It goes back to the human side of it.
1: Which is why there's no defined science. Nope. <laughs> the NFL draft as I'm looking through Joe I was responsible for writing the uh the steal of the 2014 NFL draft and I had a couple candidates uh Telvin Smith was one Mm -hmm. went in the fifth round uh Devonta Freeman went in the fourth round we had Malcolm Butler as an undrafted free agent potentially could have won Super Bowl MVP the year the Patriots beat the Seahawks but I ultimately settled on Charles Leno jr uh, I'm interested in you. what you remember feeling about Charles Leno because I actually graded him as like an end-of-day-two prospect and, and really liked his functional athleticism. He had that prototypical length. He was just light. He was, I think, 303. He was a little short for offensive tackle standards. But going to Chicago, he spent a year in an NFL weight room and built up his core and lower body strength a little bit. He's still not a power offensive tackle. But you see him in zone concepts and his length and in pass protection. He's really developed into a very, very effective starting left tackle at the NFL level as a guy that was the 246th pick in the draft.
0: I want to answer this question by telling you where I had him graded, and uh, I'm almost there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, if I just resort this spreadsheet, I'll be able to tell you. So if you have any other Charles (laughs) Leno thoughts, uh, this would be the time to get him in.
1: Well, you know, my, my primary apprehension with Leno coming out was play strength and being able to reset the line of scrimmage. But I think the scheme fit that Chicago has implemented, uh, I know Matt Nagy tried to run more gap concepts early in the year last year, but then they got back to inside zone and it helped Jordan Howard come out of his shell. And when um, what John Fox was there, they were running a lot of zone concepts, too. And that really helped aid Leno in his onboarding process in the NFL. So I think this is there's a good good example here of a player who needed a certain kind of scheme to help him play early and develop into a better overall player. Charles Leno is a player that got that in Chicago. Uh,
0: 177th graded player on my board. He was a fifth round grade for me. So I, I had him higher than the NFL did.
1: And I remember I remember liking his
0: tape, but being concerned that he was a little light. Because he moves well. I mean, his his testing's good.
1: Yes. Yeah, he had very good testing. I think I think he was above the 70th percentile in every athletic test that he had.
0: Yeah, he he, he certainly tested very, very well.
1: Where where did you say you had
0: 177?
1: Boom. 72. Oh, did
0: you really? You had yeah, him in the top exactly. 75? Good job.
1: Yeah. Well. We can talk about Mike Evans now if you want.
0: Well, I think I think one of the things one of the things I had earmarked for this entire conversation was this receiving class, right? Like, we only basically we only got like one starting quarterback in this group. We got like one starting running back, but my God, we got some of the best receivers in the game: Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, John Brown. I mean, even guys like Marquise Lee and and. Um, Quincy Inunua and uh, Jordan Matthews, Ryan Grant. I mean, that's a long list of guys that are either premier receivers in the league or have important roles for their offense right now. I mean,
1: we get – Artavis Bryant was in this right. class. Calvin Benjamin was in this class. Paul Richardson was in this class. I didn't want to
0: say Calvin Benjamin. But, yeah, I mean, the, the list continues even further than, than I, uh, I I even let it go there. I mean, so this – Did
1: you mention Moncrief? No,
0: Dante Moncrief just signed a – he's – He's a desired player in the NFL. Like the players at receiver. I mean, this was this was the uh, I mean, I don't know if we'll get a class this good ever again, maybe coming up, right? I mean, we might compare the twenty twenty wide receiver class to the twenty fourteen receiver class. But uh, man, like you got some really outstanding true number one guys in this group.
1: Yeah. And uh, all different kinds of skill sets. Very different, yeah. You got refined route runners like Marquise Lee. You got size guys like Mike Evans and Alan Robinson. You got pure speed guys like Sammy Watkins and, and Brandon cooks, Odell Beckham's kind of a do it all kind of guy. So yeah, this is, I've, I've never really taken the time to like, look at this draft class at this position, like top to bottom, like this Willie Sneed sneaky, Alan Hearns, like sneaky, like contributors in the NFL. Um, there's probably fifteen, fifteen good NFL wide receivers in this draft class. So, uh, did you have a favorite? Was it like Evans? Was was Evans your one? Was Odell your one? Was Watkins your one? Where did you stand on the top of this group?
0: My wide receiver rankings, and and I and I do want to talk about Mike Evans because I mean I talked about a lesson that I learned with Aaron Donald. Who was my number 10 player in the class in a first round rate? So let's just keep that in mind, right? Like, I didn't hate Aaron Donald. I just, I think I wanted to like him even more than that, but I was cautioned, like, like everybody, right? Uh, so I do want, I want you to talk about your lessons that you learned with, with the Mike Evans thing. Uh, and I have my board here. So let me sort my wide receivers. I had him, Sammy Watkins, number one. I loved him, poor one out. He's still super gifted. Number two, I had Mike Evans. Number three, I had Odell Beckham Jr. Allen Robinson, Jordan Matthews, Marquise Lee, Devontae Adams. Uh, That was my top five. I had first-round grades on Lee, Watkins, Beckham, Robinson, Matthews, and Lee.
1: How many did you have in the top 50?
0: Jesus. Um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight.
1: I also had eight.
0: God, I like Jared Aberdeeris. I had him.
1: He had a great route runner. He (laughs)
0: sure as hell was. He sure is how it Jeff, was.
1: The, the folk legend Jeff Janis was in this draft yeah. class
0: too? Yeah, <laughs> Who was I really off on? I don't know. I had Jeff Janis 311 you, on my board, so I didn't fall for that.
1: Where'd you see Landry?
0: Landry well, had him 80, like, 86 on the board. Third round grade.
1: But he had like historically bad athletic testing. In everything. Right. (laughs) And I know that that really put a lot of people off. And you see those physical limitations with Landry. Like he's a great route runner and he he thrives in the slot when he's got a little bit more room to work so he can force and create extra false steps in the secondary. But uh, you had asked and mentioned to me, you know, wanting to talk about the lessons that I learned in this draft class and the the elephant in the room is Mike Evans. I was not a fan of Mike Evans. I had him outside the top 100. Uh, I had apprehension with Mike. With being a straight line athlete, being one dimensional and being so physical that I didn't know if that style of play was going to translate to the next level. Well, moral of the story is offensive players get the benefit of the doubt. And Mike's physical play has certainly translated. Now, Mike went to a a great offensive group that that allowed him to really showcase his talents. The very next year, they got Jameis Winston, pushed the ball down the field. Uh, the 50/50 balls, the vertical balls. Uh, he's much he's more explosive than I thought he initially was when I watched this tape and I think I was kind of close minded to the athletic testing that he then put out and, and ran well. Um, so as I said, this was my first year in the industry and I made some mistakes with Mike Evans. And I'll be the first to tell you that. I mean I'll be the first to own that and say that Evans is Evans was a great example for me of having an elite trait. And you can translate to the next level with an elite trait, a singular elite trait, as long as you're put in a position to use those elite traits. So Mike Evans's height, weight, speed, physicality as a vertical receiver, his ball skills, his explosiveness to close ground and force defensive backs to open up early so he can get on top of them and then stack them, it's, it all translates and uh, th- that was a really valuable lesson for me as I kind of evaluated, you know, kind of coming in from my own little outside bubble and coming into this much greater space, what I think it's supposed to look like versus what mm-hmm. is allowed to work in certain situations.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an effort. We still, we keep learning that, right? Like it's, Always. yeah, we, we don't come pretending to have every answer. It, we're, we just, we, we like our process and keep evolving it. I mean, every year, I know I have, and I know you have as well. It's, it's been, what do we need to tweak and how we look at prospects? What do we learn? And, and if you're not doing that, then you're, (laughs) you're going to be perpetually missing on players that you should.
1: You know, what made me laugh? I went back and did, uh, the 2016 draft. I'm looking right now through the first round and my evaluations on the players is a series of posts that I'm doing for the draft network. And, um, one of the the players that was covered in this class, I'm trying to pull it up right now on my phone, uh, in the group that I did on Sunday was I talked about Darren Lee. Mm-hmm. And um, I made all these comments about where he can win and be successful, but I also acknowledged uh, – that he was going to have limitations and scheme limitations. And then I put him way higher than I should have because I openly made concessions that he's not going to be a universal player. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, thinking about the Mike Evans evaluation, I didn't like what I saw at first. So I kind of glossed over what was there with Darren Lee. I did like what I saw. So I glossed over what wasn't Mm -hmm. there. You know the pendulum swings both ways on these hits. Do you
0: remember the conversation you and I had about Darren Lee after I watched him, vaguely or not at all? Vaguely, I, yeah, vaguely. I, I remember struggling with his game tape, and um, because you know, anytime that you you're kind of told uh, this is a uh, a first round caliber type player, you know right. you've got you've got expectations, and I remember not necessarily seeing that and. I texted you and I said, I I don't don't see it with Darren Lee. And you you responded back and you said, well, what do you like about him? I said that he's really fast and he can cover ground with good range. And you said, well, that's
1: that's really good, right?
0: And I I think to an extent that was was good advice, but like you said there, there there were some warts that popped up and maybe it'll come together now that he's on a different team, but – Sure.
1: Well, I'll say this for the Jets, the Jets too. the Jets, the Jets never really put him in space with consistency. Felt like the only time he was in space was in the sub packages. And he, he had a good year from a coverage standpoint, but he had like two or three great games. I think the Detroit game, he touched the football five times in coverage. He had two picks and three yeah. passes defense. Or something yeah, like that. really boosted his stats. But, it's uh, those
0: singular roles, right? Like, like the Voshan Joseph thing we talked about him going into last year's draft. Yes. Get him in yes. one single spot. Get the thinking out of it. Let him be an athlete. Let him use that trigger. Just don't let him.
1: But that's where it's it that's where it's it complicated because how do you value? <laughs> how do you value a player that you only want on field on third yeah. down and you blitz somewhere him? on day three? <laughs> right. right, but but even still, like where? And then if he goes to a perfect spot, yeah. Guess what? You could be really good right. there. And everybody's going to say, well, geez, you guys missed on Voshawn Joseph. It's complicated. <laughs> the whole thing's complicated.
0: Damn right it is.
1: What else is complicated about this 2014 draft? Let's get back on track.
0: Here. Why Trey Boston doesn't have a team.
1: Has he pri- is it because just because he's priced himself out?
0: It's got to be because every year he signs with somebody, he winds up being really good, and then he's never brought back. He's he's always waiting until you know now August, even September, to sign a deal. And he's been a really good football player every time he stepped on the field. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is, but he he should be a preferred starter somewhere.
1: Oh, I got somebody I want to talk about. Who you got? I want to talk about LaMarcus Joyner. All right. LaMarcus Joyner had some of the most fun game tape that I remember watching that year out of Florida State. This dude was tiny, right? He was coming out 184 pounds at 5 feet (laughs) 8 inches with 31 half inch arms. Very sneakily went on to have an excellent start to his career with the Rams. And he's now with the Raiders. And um, going to play some some nickel coverage because he, he had experience, some experience playing man-to-man in corner in the slot. Some free safety there. Uh, I'm interested in what your impression was, Joe, of LaMarcus Joyner because I will say this. Uh, he did not finish... With a first round grade for me, this was back when I had a lot of extra influences with peripheral metrics and things like that. He finished with a third round grade, but I thought he had first round tape at Florida State.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't quite break everything down in terms of like first round film, you know, and grade all the other stuff like I do today for this class. But I had him as a second round grade um nice yeah so i mean I, that's probably where he would have fell for me because he probably I looking at my process today he probably would have had first round tape but then his you know his peripherals would have brought him down
1: i him uh, the honey badger
0: it's a good comp they both signed deals this offseason how about that
1: I said a more talented and safer selection than matthew was with incredible instincts and a knack for creating turnovers dude he played like he was six two two ten
0: yeah he sure did you sure, did what's up, Sophie?
1: Yeah, so somebody, I think. Uh, we don't normally get don't a know.
0: Sophie appearance on, on this pod, yeah, so
1: I think it's in a daily or daily Amazon <laughs> um drop off. So now it's FedEx. Sorry, that's the luxuries of the dad, the dad tool, the ring. Just pulled up and saw with the camera here who's oh man, door. it's the FedEx yeah. guy. Do you remember one of, the, in. Yeah.
0: one of the big discussions going into this draft, at least during the college football season, was the tight end class? It was this Eric Ebron, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Jay oh, Morrow.
1: Jason Morrow. Uh,
0: and, and it was like, you know, these guys were going to be three first-round tight ends and why we wound up getting one in the top 10, one at 38, and one at 49. But the hype over those three players was really, really, really high. I think everyone was looking for that Jimmy Graham – I player guess.
1: and th- and these were all kind of guys that to some degree had that at their disposal hmm. very different outcomes Amaro bombed almost immediately he went to the Jets right
0: yeah
1: Ebron uh kind of the the current poster child of uh the developmental curve that's required with tight ends, regardless, unless you're a very special prospect at the position, and then Safarian Jenkins, uh, just he's he's had some flashes, but it's kind of been the same shit that he's had to deal with had to deal with at Washington, right? Just never really got fully off the ground. Right.
0: Well, and he's you know I think he's had some alcohol issues and stuff that have you know some personal demons that have precluded him a little bit but he was signed by the Patriots right this offseason has already been cut like right? and that would have been a good chance for no no he he walked away oh, really
1: yeah. okay so he I think he wanted to address some personal issues or something like that
0: and then CJ Fedora which you know he yeah. was pacing he was great. he really and then it just yeah you can only have so many concussions in your life you know so that was unfortunate yeah
1: uh, don't don't blame him for hanging it no. up, but those were actually my top four tight ends. I, I had Amaro was my first tight end at 33 overall. I had Ebron 39, Zafarin Jenkins 78, and Fedor, Fid- uh, which was 125 for me.
0: Uh, I had all of those. I had 11. Eric Ebron at 11, Amaro at 47, ASJ at 55. Ready for this one? Troy Nicholas at 68. And then, for- Man,
1: Troy Nicholas was was my five, and he was. I had
0: at ninety one, so I had five top one hundred tight ends.
1: All right, so let's talk about Ebron here, because in all reality, he went eight. Right? Yeah, you had him eleven, mm-hmm. and I had him thirty nine. His his true value, when you consider his development, probably falls somewhere in the middle there, wouldn't you say?
0: Well, yeah,
1: right. Yeah, you can't just like like in in hindsight, you, you can't say Ebron was worth a top 10 pick. No. But if you knew you were going to get what we're getting from Eric Ebron and you, he can't, went to a team that had more patience than what Detroit did, 39's too late to draft Eric Ebron.
0: Agreed. Um, how about the. Pa- Let's get one. Yeah, I think we got to talk about pass rushers, right? We got Kareel Mack with uh, Jadavian Clowney, yeah. Demarcus Lawrence, D. Ford. And then uh, some guys.
1: <laughs> hey, Coney Ealy, was Coney Ealy. Class. I mean
0: Trent Murphy, who had one good year. Uh,
1: can we pour one out for James Gale?
0: Oh god, I love this tape. Him and that guy from UNC, the same year. What was his name? Coney Martin, who's still in the, he's still in the league. Yeah,
1: he's still. Yeah, but I really like James. He's in New, he's in New York now. I think he, he's actually in line to start. And
0: real quick, while we're pouring one out for James Gale, can we also pour one out for Scott Crichton?
1: Yes, we can. Because he had good taste. Sure there. did, and he
0: tested well.
1: Yep, Oregon State, man. That that Oregon State team in 2013 was fun. That was like the Sean Manning and Brandon Cooks uh, shot uh, Scott Crichton. They had some ballers on that team.
0: Uh, the fact that we're, there's any prospects is very different than today. Uh, and they had Rashad Reynolds. I don't know if you remember him. Corner.
1: Yeah, yeah. and did – the, and Poyer was on the 2012 team, right?
0: Uh, yeah, so they, they, he, they were all in the same group, yeah.
1: yeah man.
0: This, this ain't our, today's Oregon State, I'll tell you that.
1: Run it, run it back. Let's do it again. <laughs> all right, so good pass rushers in this class. Uh, I actually put the rush linebackers with the linebackers, but I want to run through the 4-3 defensive ends that I had ranked uh, Clowny. Demarcus Lawrence, I had 80th. Uh, Clowney was my number one overall player. Trent Murphy, I had 50. Kareem Martin, I had 54. Uh, D. Ford, I had 89. Coney Ely, I had 118. I'll use that as a launch point. If you have any numbers or, or names that stand out to you, there.
0: Um, you run it back one more time because I was sorting my spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> well, I've already moved on. I had Jadavion Clowney okay. one. I had three, four defensive ends, Stephon Tu at 14. Uh, Trent Murphy was 50. Kareem Martin was 54. Demarcus Lawrence was 80. D Ford was 89. And Coney Ealy was 118.
0: I had Clowney, 5, Christian, 23. D Ford, 40. Kareem Martin, uh, excuse me, D Ford, 30. Ford, three, thir- two, three, 30.
1: Uh, 30, good for uh, you. Kareem
0: Martin, 40. Coney Ealy, 48. Trent Murphy, 51. James Gell, 52. Oh boy, James Jackson, Jeff Colt seventy six, and I had something.
1: Oh, I, I glossed over Jackson, Jeff Jack Code. I had him fifty two. Right. I was just trying to give you names that we we've been talking. Will Clark
0: eighty seven. I liked him.
1: That was the West Virginia kid. Yeah, yeah, it, He's good too.
0: Who's like this Acacius Mars? I mean, he. I had him at two hundred eight. He wound up. He was picked one hundred eight. So he he wound up having you know a nice little career and there's not there's not steals and pass rushers later on is not really a thing most of the time
1: right and then you go to rush outside linebackers and i had khalil mack who is my second overall player uh anthony barr i had third overall i considered him in a rush role um poor one out marcus smith i had him 17 had him
0: 70 so i didn't fall for that one
1: and that's pretty much it for how about jeremiah tout Adam forty four. He's he's quietly had a, a solid year. He had I had top fifty. Solid career for him. Man, pour one out for Chris Borland.
0: Is he in this class?
1: Play, yeah.
0: See you. You always have such a soft spot for him. Where did I? I had Chris Borland eighty three.
1: I had forty third, right behind C J Mosley and Ryan Shazier.
0: I had Mosley at twelve. Where'd you have him?
1: 40. Oh,
0: I was way higher on him, huh?
1: You were, yes. Wow. I think I, I – I say I think I have the report right here. Hold on. Let my producer pull that up. If I remember correctly off the top of my head, I was concerned about um, what his impact was in coverage early on. For Mosley? Yeah.
0: Was there any good offensive linemen? I mean, Zach Martin in this this class –
1: it wasn't Batonio in this class too? Uh,
0: Batonio, yeah, I had him 33. Juwan James, don't know if you heard of him, 34. Gabe Jackson, I had him at 41. Weston Richburg, I had him 100. He's a good player.
1: All right, correct me. Uh, I I thought Mosley was um not good addressing contact, and that's why I had him down a little bit. All
0: right. He's getting paid like $18 million a year to play linebacker.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's going to do that behind the Jets' defensive line, so he won't have to deal with any kind Yeah, they're
0: good. Williams, Williams, and Anderson. And they've got a ton of good backups too. Shepard and Folly Fatakasi and I think they have Mike Pennell. I mean, they're, they're stacked on defensive line.
1: How, how about uh, Morgan Moses?
0: Uh, I had Morgan Moses. See, I didn't think he moved that well. Uh, Where would I have him?
1: He didn't but he was big. I had him 99. So had 99. 99? Yeah. The disrespect, Joe.
0: He went 66.
1: I had him 22.
0: Who was your worst offensive line reach? I had Xavier Suafilo at 19. That was bad.
1: Oh, I think, uh, I think Cyril Richardson for me. Really?
0: You like the big yeah. old boys that couldn't move this year, huh?
1: Yeah, and then you soft switched soft.
0: over to the, the the spring-footed guy.
1: Well, no, offensive tackles are different you know? <laughs> interior guys i like guys that are too light on the outside and guys that are too heavy on the inside apparently
0: uh, we keep learning right
1: gabe jackson 31 though trey turner 82
0: oh i had trey turner 74 gabe jackson phil 41 yeah we get some we stuff right players.
1: yeah believe <laughs> it or not quick thoughts on the quarterback class here before we hang this thing up um do you, Besides the fact that it's... Yeah, but do
0: you remember my quarterback takes this year? Because if it, it's good if you don't.
1: Uh, you like somebody bad, didn't I you? I like Bridgewater
0: and Carr. I had them 1 and 13 on my board. Yes, I had Teddy Bridgewater as oh, my wow. number one overall player.
1: Yep. I had Bridgewater 6 and Carr 12.
0: To, to my credit, and your credit as well based on that, is we found the best two, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't have Bortles in our top five, so there's that. Or Manziel um,
1: was my eighth-rated quarterback this year. <laughs> and Manziel was six.
0: Yeah, Manziel was. I, if I would have listened to myself even more, he'd have been lower. Funny story about uh, this quarterback class. So this is going to be super random. Yeah. I ran into Taj Boyd's father, and uh, he told me that Taj Boyd was three inches away from being the number one overall pick.
1: Did you tell him that you got some bad news? No,
0: that's not what I told him. But I just – I very distinctly remember (laughs) that interaction that I had. So there you go.
1: I think to a certain degree, you have to have that mentality, right? Whether or not it's factual or not. But like if it's not factual and there's people in the space that tell you that it's not factual, don't get mad at us. (laughs) We're just like. That's always an interesting thing to balance, too, and I'll, I'll this will be my last thought of the day, Joe. All right. It's hard to present information, especially with how the players are engaged in social media now, because the players are inevitably going to see it, and the players are going to take offense if you give them criticisms. But the NFL draft process is a very different beast than like being in a college football locker room. Like, people, they evaluate you differently, they assess you differently, and the draft process is kind of that, like, it's a baptism by fire where you're giving these players criticisms that they've never had to deal with before. And that can be hard for a lot of them, and it can be hard for us, too, to kind of walk that line and be respectful about it, but also be honest.
0: Uh, My last thought is going to be this, looking over this quarterback class. Now, I'll admit that I like David Fowles a bit more than I probably should have. I had him uh, 58th on my board. But there were some turds in this class that people were falling for, and their names are Brett Smith, and the other one's name is Keith Price. I don't know how those guys had fans, but they did. And remember Stephen Morris? Stephen Morris was like a thing all throughout the season until people watched his tape, and then I gave him a UDFA grade, 400th on my board.
1: Yeah, it's very true. Um, the original um, Taysom Hill, Jordan Lynch, years before his time. <laughs> it's too bad. I had him 455
0: on my board, Jordan Lynch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, just got done talking about how criticism we try and be nice, but uh, there's no sugar coat in that one, Joe, so thanks for dropping the hammer on Jordan Lynch. All the
0: freaking guys him. that I do this year, my God. I didn't write full reports. I did, did 506, my God
1: what a nerd what a loser
0: right my god
1: come on back for tomorrow's takes on takes guys hit us with your hot takes with the hashtag takes on takes at the joe marino and at grinding tape we'll talk to you guys tomorrow
0: thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform